In your Bibles tonight, 2 Samuel chapter number 14, 2 Samuel chapter 14. How many of you in your lives have ever had a royal mess? When I say a royal mess, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And when we come into our Bibles in 2 Samuel 14, it really is a transition chapter into a royal mess. Uh, We've just seen uh, the great uh, sin of Absalom and uh, Amnon and the murder of Amnon and it's just tragic and now we're moving into a transition where uh, Absalom is the next rightful heir to the throne of Israel but he has been spending the last couple years away from home away from David and really away from the penalty of the murder that he committed and uh This is a fascinating story that's got some twists and turns, and we're going to work our way through this passage of Scripture. But I will have you know that chapter number 14 is the transition passage into the great rebellion of Absalom. Absalom, in chapter number 15, is going to sneak around and steal the loyalties of so many of David's people. People And David, in chapter number 15, is going to be ran off the throne of Israel uh, because of the wicked deceit and maneuvers of Absalom. It is a royal mess. And when we look at this passage of Scripture, we're going to look at it and see some things that these folks did very wrong, and maybe we can learn from it. And in our own lives and our families, prevent a royal mess. If you'll follow along with me, we'll begin reading in verse number 1 of chapter number 14. I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but I'm going to read uh, the first few verses here and we'll begin our message, Preventing a Royal Disaster. The Bible says in chapter 14, in verse number 1, Now Joab, the son of Zeruiah, perceived that the king's heart was toward Absalom. And Joab sent to to Tekoa and fetched thence a wise woman and said unto her, I pray thee. Feign thyself to be a mourner, and put on now mourning apparel, and anoint not thyself with oil, but be as a woman that had a long time mourned for the dead. And come to the king, and speak on this manner unto him. So Joab put the words in her mouth. And we're going to begin here, and I'm just going to work our way through this passage of Scripture, because it's a little bit lengthy, and I don't want to read it uh, multiple times, but I want to tell you the story, and I want you to follow along, because when we get to the conclusion, we're going to be able to, Lord willing, in our lives, prevent a royal mess. And so we start here with Joab. Now, Joab is a general to David. He's second in command. And we meet Joab on many occasions throughout the books of First and Second Samuel. And in this instance, Joab has devised a plan to bring Absalom home. Absalom has been away for two years now, away from dad, away from Jerusalem, away from uh, a place where he can gain some traction and influence in the government of the nation of Israel. And so Joab, instead of just going head first and headlong and straight forward toward David and proposing his plan, David devi- I mean, sorry, Joab devise- devises a scheme and she- he calls for the wise woman of Tekoa. I don't know exactly what she was, but she was a very capable actress, as we'll see here in just a minute. And Joab has a plan, and Joab tells this woman of Tekoa what to do. We pick up in verse number 4. 
The Bible says, And when the woman of Tekoa spake to the king, she fell on her face to the ground and did obeisance and said, Help, O king. And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? She answered, I am indeed a widow woman, and mine husband is dead. And thy handmaid had two sons, and they two strove together in the field, and there was none to part them, but the one smote the other and slew him. And behold, the whole family is risen against thine handmaid, and they said, Deliver him that smote his brother, that we may kill him for the life of his brother whom he slew, and we will destroy the heir also. And so they shall quench my coal, which is left, and shall not leave to my husband neither name nor remainder upon the earth. And the king said unto the woman, Go to thine house, and I will give charge concerning thee. Now, here's what happens. The woman tells the story. Now, you've got to remember, it's all a lie. Joab has said to this woman, you tell the king what I want you to tell the king. And here's what Joab told the woman to tell the king. Joab said, you tell him that you're a widow. Don't don't put oils on. Don't smell good. Don't look pretty. You look like a woman that's been mourning for some time because of death in your family. And you go to the king and you tell him, I'm a widow and I had two sons. But my sons one day got in a fight. And they wouldn't stop, and no one would stop them. And before they got stopped, one of my two sons killed my other son. I've got one dead son and one living son, and my whole family wants my other living son dead to pay the debt for murdering his brother. And she said, if if that happens, my coal's going out. It's just a, a way to say that my... Light, my future, my heritage, my my husband's name is going to just vanish away. King, can you help me? Well, the king has compassion. And it's always nice to see in David's life, or I should say for the most part in David's life, a spirit of compassion. He has compassion on this woman and he falls prey to her lie. And he says to the woman, just go ahead, go to your house. I'll take care of this. Well, we know that the woman of Tekoa has not accomplished her task yet, so she can't accept just going away, so she carries the conversation on a little bit further. Verse 9, And the woman of Tekoa said unto the king, My lord, O king, the iniquity be on me and on my father's house, and the king and his throne be guiltless. And the king said, Whosoever saith aught unto thee, bring him to me, and he shall not touch thee any more. Then said she, I pray thee, let the king remember the Lord thy God, that thou wouldest not suffer the revengers of blood to destroy any more, lest they destroy my son. And he said, As the Lord liveth, there shall not one hair of thy son fall to the earth. She continues to lead the conversation further. Have you ever been finished with the conversation, but somebody wasn't finished with the conversation, and they just wanted to circle back around and say the same thing they've already said again and again? Well, that's what this woman is doing because she's looking for an opportunity to drop the hammer, insert the knife, play the ace. She's looking for her opportunity to accomplish what Joab has sent her to do. She keeps the ball going down the road. She keeps... The conversation going, and the Bible says in verse 12, Then the woman said, Let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak one word. She's like, and one more thing. David says, I'm going to take care of that. 
Not one hair of that boy's head is going to be hurt. I'm going to take care of you. And she says, uh, King, sir, please, my, can I say one more thing? She says, I pray they speak one more word unto my Lord, the king. He said, say on. Verse 13. And the woman said, wherefore then hast thou thought such a thing against the people of God? For the king to speak this thing as one which is faulty, in that the king doth not fetch home again his banished. Now here's what the lady says. She says, now listen, king. You have agreed to... Keep alive my son who killed his brother in order to keep my name alive. And she says, King, aren't you at fault in this same category? Don't you think you should do the same thing for your own son? You see where she's getting. Absalom has killed Amnon. And Absalom has been away for two or three years now. And she says, don't you think it's time to bring your son home? The Bible continues in verse number 14. <clears throat> For we, we must needs die, she's speaking, and are as water spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. She says, you know, people die. This kind of thing happens. Along the way, you, sons, brothers mur- murder brothers, and Amnon's dead. He's already dead. There's nothing you can do about it. He's dead. <laughs> Neither doth God respect any person, yet doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him. She says, there's ways that you can bring your boy home. Now, this moment, it seems like she's doing a great thing. At this moment, it seems like Joab has encouraged a great truth and a great reconciliation. But as we continue to read, we have to know that that's not the proper application. Look what the Bible says in verse 15. Now, therefore, that I am come to speak of this thing unto my Lord the King... It is because the people have made me afraid. And thy handmaid said, I will now speak unto the king. It may be that the king will perform the request of his handmaid. For the king will hear to deliver his handmaid out of the hand of the man that would destroy me and my son to gather out of the inheritance of God. Then thine handmaid said, The word of the Lord, the king, shall now be comfortable. For as an angel of God, so is my lord the king to discern good and bad Therefore, the Lord thy God will be with thee. Now, she concludes her speaking here with, King, I hope you heard what I said. Thank you for being willing to intervene on behalf of my son that she doesn't have, her dead son that she doesn't, that doesn't exist. Thank you for intervening on behalf of my family. And maybe you should learn from what you've done for me and do it for your own son. Now, King David is no fool. And this woman has told her a big lie. And this woman has uh, manipulated him into forgiving her son for something that his son had done. And King David makes an interesting statement. Look what he says in verse 18. Then the king answered and said unto the woman, Hide not from me, I pray thee. Tell me the truth. The thing that I shall ask of thee, tell me what I want. And the woman said, Let my lord the king now speak. And the king said, verse 19, Is not the hand of Joab with thee in all this? <laughs> the king David, he says, Aha, I know where this comes from. This came from none other than Joab himself. And the Bible says, As thy soul liveth, my Lord, she speaks, 
My Lord the King, none can turn to the right hand or the, the left from aught that my Lord the King has spoken. For thy servant Joab, he bade me and put all these words in the mouth of thine handmaid. To fetch about this form of speech hath thy servant Joab done this thing. And my Lord is wise according to the wisdom of an angel of God to know all things that are in the earth. Now, that is the story of Joab and the woman of Tekoa. That's our first point. Joab and the woman of Tekoa. I want to encourage you to do something. If you want to prevent a royal disaster in your life, do not live your life like Joab and the woman of Tekoa. Now, when we first read this, we think, oh, wow, this is neat. This is a a cunning scheme as to how to get the king to do the right thing. But we're going to ultimately see bringing... Absalom home unrepentant is not the right thing to do. And if you want to just put things on the very bottom line, I'll just tell you, it is not right for us as people to manipulate situations, to scheme and plot and plan and do things behind other people's back and use lying and trickery in order to get what we perceive to be right. Dishonesty is dishonesty is dishonesty is dishonesty. And all through the scriptures, God's people are encouraged and commanded to be upright, forthright, honest. Jesus said, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. And the basic bottom line of that is, look, say yes or no. Be forthright and honest. I'll tell you. If you have to use trickery and scheming and lying in order to get what you perceive to be right, your perception of what is right is wrong because it's not ever right to do wrong. You get what I'm trying to say? Trickery. How many of you young people have ever tried to manipulate your parents to saying yes to what you want them to do? Or even worse, how many of you parents have tried to manipulate your children to peaceably do what you've asked them to do. I just want you to know, the best way to live is straight up and down, honest, forward. May God help us. Look, if you teach your children that trickery is the way to get what you want, guess what happens? They're going to use it. And in this instance, Joab's hiring an actress to tell a lie to the king of Israel. It does not help the situation. It's powerful. It's manipulative. But the end result is a royal disaster. I challenge you. Just be the kind of person who tells the truth. Just be the kind of person that when you speak, no one has to wonder if you're telling the truth or not. I'd love to take a minute and talk to the politicians in the United States of America about Joab and the woman of Tekoa because I'll just tell you, these are the kind of trickery and smoke and mirrors that our politicians use all the time. It's not a matter of who's telling the truth, it's just who's lying the most. But the sad news is it's part of our culture, it's part of our society and actually it becomes the part of the lives of God's people and church people and Christian people who attend church on Sunday night of Memorial Day weekend. Where instead of just dealing with issues head on, we work and whisper 
and manipulate behind the scenes trying to get what we want. And all the while, we're making a royal disaster in our families. We're causing our children to lose faith in our honesty and integrity. And we're doing things against God and God's will and God's way. If we could learn something from Joab and the woman of Tekoa, we should learn that we should not use trickery, deceit, lying, and manipulation in order to get our way. Oh, it pays to be forthright and honest and have integrity and deal with things righteously. If you're going to prevent a royal disaster, you need to learn a lesson from Joab and the woman of Tekoa. Number two, let's look at David. Let's look at David. So it's an interesting thing. And, and honestly, I'll just tell you, as I study this passage of Scripture and I, and I read commentaries and I listen to other people preach on this passage of Scripture, there's a multitude of applications. And people use different applications in different ways. And some people are praying this great reconciliation. Some people are praising it. And some people are saying, wow, what a great thing Joab did. What a great thing David did. Ultimately, at the end of this chapter, David kisses Absalom. Absalom comes home. But they do not live happily ever after. (laughs) Because in the very beginning of the next chapter, Absalom will begin his corrupt scheme to take over power. And ultimately, his goal is to kill his father who kisses him at the conclusion of chapter 14. Ah, if you know something, David is not innocent in this situation. Look at the Bible says in verse 21. And the king said unto Joab, Behold now, I have done this thing. Go therefore, bring the young man Absalom again. And Joab fell to the ground on his face and bowed himself and thanked the king. And Joab said, Today thy servant knoweth that I have found grace in thy sight. My lord, O king, in that the king hath fulfilled the request of his servant. So Joab arose and went to Geshur and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. And so here we have the story. David consents to bring Absalom home. David doesn't call for Absalom to repent of his sin. David doesn't mention any form of forgiveness. David says, all right, bring him home. I don't know if David's wanting to make Joab happy. I don't know if David just wanted to move on and get this over with. But we can have a little glimpse into the heart of David when we look at verse number 24. Look at it with me. And the king said, Let him turn to his own house, and let him not see my face. So Absalom returned to his own house and saw not the king's face. Let me tell you what David said. All right. He can come home, but I don't want to see him. He can come to his house, but I don't want to talk to him. He can come back to Jerusalem, but I don't want to deal with him. Now, I'll have you know something. In David's life, God was calling on David to ultimately forgive Absalom. I've heard messages on this passage of Scripture. One of the message titles is titled this, Living in the Suburbs of Forgiveness. And the whole message is dedicated to this verse of Scripture and saying that, that David, he was willing to kind of forgive, but he wasn't willing to actually forgive Absalom. And there you have Absalom living in the suburbs of forgiveness. I'll just tell you, no, it's not right to partially forgive. Let me tell you something. If you have this idea of forgiveness that I will forgive them, but... 
Uh, let me tell you something. You didn't forgive them. You didn't forgive them. That doesn't mean that you forgive a murderer and let him come and eat supper with you. We have to use reason and be sensible. But forgiveness with conditions is not forgiveness at all. And David says to Absalom, all right, he can come home. But I don't want to see his ugly face. <laughs> you see, David didn't forgive. Some people believe that one of the reasons why Absalom fell off the deep end is because David wouldn't forgive. I have no perfect evidence of that, but there's no doubt about it. When people who stand in the place and have a prominent role for God in the lives of other people, there's no doubt that sometimes sinful behavior on the heart, on the behalf of someone that's in some type of spiritual leadership can cause people to go off the deep end. When preachers fail, it causes people to fall too. But more importantly, more specific than a preacher falling by the wayside or King David falling by the wayside, let me tell you something. If you exercise unforgiveness as the parents of children, you are a figurehead. You represent God to your children. I'm telling you something. You're teaching your children the wrong thing. If you want to prevent a royal disaster, let me encourage you. If you want to prevent a royal disaster, you learn to forgive. And not just forgive with conditions, not just to put it away and try to forget about it, and, but actually forgive. Forgive the place where you're able to love again. Forgive the place where you're actually able to be in the presence of that person again. Forgiveness is important. David, he says he can come home. But he's going to his house. He's not coming to mine. I don't want to see his ugly face. Let me tell you something. David, along with Joab and the woman of Tekoa, was setting the table for a royal disaster. May the Lord help us to prevent that. Number three, Absalom. Absalom. It's all about Absalom. The Bible gives us some insight into what kind of guy Absalom was, and it's not pretty. Look what the Bible says in verse 25. Number three, we're going to look at Absalom. The Bible says in verse 25, But in all Israel there was none to be so much praised as Absalom for his beauty. Now you can close your eyes and take a look at Absalom. His uh, a.k.a. Fabio there, Absalom here. We see him in all Israel there was none to be so much praised. Not because he had great character. Not because he had a sweet spirit. Not because he was, uh, uh, was godly and patient and kind and a great leader. He, had, he was praised, so much praised for his beauty. Look at how it continues. The Bible says, from the sole of his foot, even to the crown of his head, there was no blemish on him. How many of you have an ugly toe? Don't raise your hand. Not Absalom. I have a big wart on your head that you keep it covered up with hair. Clearly, I don't. Not Absalom. Absalom was beautiful. From the sole of his foot to the top of his head, that boy was perfect. He was gorgeous. Verse 26, the Bible says this. And when he pulled his head, the word pulled means to shave, when he shaved his head. When he pulled his head, for it was at every year's end that he pulled it. Because the hair was heavy on him, therefore he pulled it. Once a year, beautiful Absalom shaved off his gorgeous locks. And the Bible talks about how thick his hair was. Look here. 
He weighed the hair of his head at 200 shekels after the king's weight. If this is the shekel most of us compare shekels to, his hair at the end of one year weighed about 45 pounds. We could only dream. But the Bible paints this picture of these amazing locks. You can see it blowing in the wind. He was handsome. The Bible says in verse 27 that unto Absalom there were born three sons and one daughter whose name was Tamar. She was a woman of a fair countenance. He was beautiful, had a family. But look what the Bible continues to say in verse 28. So Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem and saw not the king's face. Absalom, two years, now he's in Jerusalem. He doesn't see the king. And the Bible says in verse 29, Therefore Absalom sent for Joab to have sent him to the king. But he would not come to him. And when he sent again the second time, he would not come. Therefore he said unto his servants, See, Joab's field is near mine, and he hath barley there. Go and set it on fire. And Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Here's what happens. Absalom, he is a conniving schemer of the utmost and nth degree. Absalom, he says, Joab has been two years since I've seen Dad, since I've been able to stick my weaselly nose in the affairs of the nation of Israel. It's been two whole years. Joab, get me an appointment with the king. I've got to see Dad. Joab doesn't return his call. He calls for him again. He sends message, sends word. Joab, you need to set an appointment for me and the king. But Joab doesn't call him back. Finally, Absalom says, all right, boys, I know what to do. You know that big, beautiful barley field that he's got that's good and dry? He says, go set it on fire. And Absalom has... All of has this field of Joab's burnt to a crisp. And he gets Joab's attention. The Bible says in verse number 31, Then Joab arose and came to Absalom unto his house and said unto him, Wherefore have thy servants set my field on fire? And Absalom answered, Joab, behold, I sent unto thee, saying, Come hither, that I may send thee to the king to say, Wherefore am I come from Geshur? Why in the world did I leave Geshur to come here if I can't see the king? He said, it had been good for me to have been there still. Now, therefore, let me see the king's face. And if there be any iniquity in me, let him kill me. The Bible says in verse 33, So Joab came to the king and told him. And when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. Now, if you don't know and you don't pay attention to the context, you're like, well, great. They kissed and made up. But the truth is, that wasn't the case at all. You see, Absalom, he had murdered his brother. His brother had done an awful thing. And he had murdered his brother. And Absalom comes back to Jerusalem with no repentance, with no punishment. Seeking no forgiveness and literally unashamed of what he'd done. A man with the boldness to burn Joab's barley field is not the kind of man who's learned his lesson and is humble anymore. And we know for a fact, and 
We turn the page into chapter number 15 that Absalom begins his great campaign against God, God's people, and ultimately it ends in Absalom losing his life. Absalom. Let me tell you something about Absalom. Absalom was unwilling to repent of his sin. Absalom was unwilling to come to a place where he would seek forgiveness. And if you come and get there and you're so proud and so arrogant and so full of yourself that you will not humble yourself and make things right with the people around you, I'll have you know something. You are on a crash course for disaster. May the Lord help you. May the Lord help us not to be like Absalom. Look. There's a royal disaster on the horizon. If you use trickery and deceit and lie and cheat and scheme to try to get what you want, there's a royal disaster on the horizon for you and your family. Stop that mess. Repent of your sin. If you have a spirit of David that you're willing to kind of forgive, but you're not willing to forgive. You're angry and bitter calloused because of something someone's done especially someone in your family you're unwilling to deal with things head on and forthright and correctly but if you can pacify the situation you'll offer a menial kiss I want you to know something you're on a crash course for royal disaster and if you have a spirit of Absalom You're too proud to admit you're wrong. Too arrogant and ornery to humbly pursue and seek God's will. You're on a crash course for a royal disaster. I don't know about you, but with God's help, I want to prevent a royal disaster in my life. May the Lord help us to humbly and graciously and patiently pursue the Lord and do things the right way. And trust Him. We need to be people of integrity. We need to be people of humility. We need to be people full of grace. Full of truth. Full of patience. Resting in God and God's faithfulness. Unlike the characters we've seen tonight. Who ultimately will play all. Will play a big part. In one of the most painful moments in the history of the nation of Israel. In the life of David. And ends in the death of Absalom. King David's son. Look, I don't know about you, but with God's help, I'd like to prevent a royal disaster. May God help us to have his spirit as we deal with the matters of life. Let's pray.